that one's, uh, that one's, that one's rocking. I like that. Dylan on the drums. I was in the back, so y'all couldn't see me, but, but uh, I could see you guys. And none of y'all were dancing like I was dancing. Actually, no, that's not true. I was probably just like this. Yeah, I like that. That's good. Uh, so thank you for having me back. I appreciate it. It's good to be back here at the Field House. Uh, <laughs> I almost made a joke, but I won't. I'm going to refrain from the jokes today. I'm going to try my best. Uh, and today we're going to be in Luke chapter 6, verse, 40, verse 46. And I had a little bit of influence on the music this morning. I hope that's okay, because I, I asked Kevin a couple of weeks ago, hey, will you do that song, Build My Life? I will build my life upon uh, your love. It is a firm foundation. Put my trust in you, and I will not be shaken. Very good. And it goes right along with where we're going to be today in Luke 6. And starting in verse 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord? This is Jesus here talking. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I'll show you what he's like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Oftentimes, Jesus talks in parables, which is basically stories, if you guys know or maybe you don't know, but that's cool. Uh, parables are basically uh, stories to kind of illustrate a point that he's making. And here he's making a metaphor for uh, uh, a house that is on shaky ground. Who can tell me what, what the house, the metaphor for the house, what, what is that? It's who, huh? Oh, this, is, this is uncomfortable. <laughs> it's it's the, the metaphor for these two builders is basically two people building, their, they're living their lives. And one person has, has, is, is living their life and it's built on a sure foundation that's not going to be easily shaken or broken. And the other one is kind of, he hasn't built his life around anything that is uh, what we would say absolute truth. And so what that means is every thought that you guys have, that, that I have, is like a wood uh, two by four uh, going into this house. Every decision that we make is like a, uh, a piece of timber. I'm not a construction. Andy, help me out. Uh, what, what is construction verbiage? I don't know carpenter stuff. It's like you're rolling the carpet. I, every habit, good or bad, that you have is like you're, you're, you're nailing drywall to, to, to this house. Basically, what I'm trying to say is your imagination, your, your sense of humor, your personality uh, are like the windows and doors, and so your character your integrity, or lack thereof, maybe, is, the, is what makes this house. So the idea is either if, if you're a generous, kind person, then it would be like you're a house that is very attractive uh, from the side of the road, and they say, hey, that's a good house. Does that make sense? But regardless, you've got to have a sure foundation. 
beautiful homes and bad homes alike can cave in, right? Andy knows what I'm, I'm going to be picking on you all morning here. All right. Well, not all morning. I got to go. I, I mean, I can't be super late today. Although there's no service after this one, so you all are in for a treat. We're going to be here till three. <laughs> no, but does that make sense? So we build the house and we have our, 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 our decisions, our habits, the things that we hold dear, the things that we love. These are the things that make us who we are. And it's, and it, and it's basically the, the house that Jesus is talking about. You have built your house. And so what does it look like? Amber and I, my wife, my wife, Amber and I, we went house hunting a little bit ago. And when we went to go uh, look at this house, you should know, my wife has got these two brothers, my brother-in-law, my, my brothers-in-law, brother-in-law, brothers-in-law, thank you, yeah. And they have built houses, they build houses, and they will continue to build houses. And her dad also has built houses, and when his knees allow, he helps around, he builds things around my house, and I appreciate it. But they know everything there is to know about a house. They know the ins and outs, they know how to make them, they know how to tear them down, they know everything about a house. They've been doing it for a very long time. And sometimes, frankly, they, they let me know and kind of hang it over my head. It's kind of, it's kind of not cool, actually. No, I'm just kidding. My wife, she has the best in-laws. Okay, I was like, didn't know if that was going to go over your head or not. But we go look at this house. Sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold back the jokes. Dang it. All right, no, but we go look at this house, and I'm walking in. I'm walking into this house, and her brother, we brought her brother because we thought, hey, it would be a good idea to have somebody that knows what they're talking about and, and what they're looking for to come look at this house with us. And so we go in, and her brother's behind me, and I don't even see him once I walk in the door. I am, I'm walking around, and I'm, in, I'm just amazed by the 1960s wood paneling, the red shag carpet, and the painting that's, you know, apparently uh, sound to the structural integrity of the house, like it can't come off. And I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm a mouth breather once I get in there. I'm like... And I'm just breathing through. I'm, I don't even have a nose. I'm just drooling. And so I don't even see my brother-in-law until I come down from the upstairs and I walk in, in the main floor. And then I see him. He appears after 10, 10 minutes. And I say, where were you? Now, construction builders, guys, or women, persons, where do you think he went when the first thing he, he, he did? He checked the foundation. The foundation. That was a combination of basement and foundation. He checked the foundation. You guys know way more about houses than I do. I was just like, wow, look at this. This room is blue. I like it. Thinking we can't repaint or anything. And so, like, that's how I base my, my home buying decisions is, is if I like the paint or not, because repainting is not even an option. But he goes and checks the foundation. So in Luke 6, where we are, Getting back to the scripture, where we are here in Luke 6 is basically Jesus is saying the foundation that these two builders have or don't have is of the utmost importance. The foundation uh, comes first and, and it cannot be taken lightly. And so there's a couple of differences that, that if we can real quick take a look at uh, between these two builders. And one, the first one here, it says um, in verse 48, he's like a man building a house who dug deep and he laid the foundation on the rock. 
And uh, so the first difference that I would say is, obviously, the first builder, he's thinking of the future, and he's preparing. See, if you look here, it says, and when a flood arose, the stream broke against it. It's not saying, Jesus doesn't say, and so if a flood arose, then he would be fine because he dug deep and he built uh, and he laid the foundation. Jesus is acknowledging, regardless of whether or not you have a firm foundation, you're going to have storms that are going to come through and they might sweep you up. Or you can stand firm. There's no if about it. Even if, even if you're uh, 18 or 80, 80, you probably know, 18, you probably do know by this, by this point. There is no if, it's, it's when. And so the other builder, he's not thinking about the future and he's not preparing. Second, the first is a hard worker. He's digging deep and he's making sure that his foundation is firm. And while the latter, is, he seems to avoid the hard work of digging deep to ensure a strong foundation. And he also has that short-range view, never thinking of what life is going to be like in the next six months. He's, uh, he's, he's living for the now because he wants to avoid the hard work. So you've got, he's, uh, the first one is future preparing, preparing for the future, and he's working hard. And then the third, the third one is the difference that I see between the two is that the first builder is content with unpleasantness today because he knows of a future coming reward. And, and the second builder is uh, trading uh, future security for a little bit of uh, immediate grat- uh, gratification. He's, he, he, he prefers the comfort and the convenience. The convenience. That's a key word that has stuck with me as I've been looking at this. Convenience. He prefers the convenience of now rather than the security for, for later. And so there are the three things that I see as far as the difference between these two builders. The thinking of the future, the hard work, and then, and then being willing to, to deal with what's happening now and, and uh, knowing that there's something better to come. And so as we go through this, we're going to be kind of looking at these contrasts. So what is the blueprint here that Jesus is talking about for our lives? If our life is a house which I think is a 2001 movie that I did not see, but I looked it up because I thought, I think that's the name of a movie, Life as a House, which is the name of this sermon, that sermon thing, for those of you who've seen it. No? Okay, great. All right. But what comes first? In verse 48, what comes first? Obviously, does, does the house come first or does the foundation come first? The foundation yeah, I, don't let me tell you how to build a house, but, I, but even though I don't know anything, I do know enough to know, yeah, I mean, you got to probably start, you know, digging first and, you know, all, I wouldn't hire me to do it, but, but I do know that much. And so the foundation comes first. But let me tell you, though, uh, if you'll notice here, he says this, Jesus says he is like a man building a house. He's not saying he's like a man who built a house or he's not like a man who is going to build a house. He's like a man building a house, meaning he is in the process. He's in the middle of it right now. And what he's, what he's saying is you, you've already made your decisions so far to get you here. You've, you may have another 40 or 50 years left, but you've been making decisions so far. You're building your house already. And so even though the foundation does come first, God is, here's, here's the ability of Christ. He can come in and see a shaky 
a shaky house with no foundation and come in and flip that. And he can give that a strong, firm foundation. What I mean by that is, if you have been living your life apart from God, if you have not been obeying, if you've heard his words, maybe you've been coming to church and you've heard his words, but you do not do them, because you'll notice it's not just enough to hear, but Jesus says, those who hear my words and do them, I'll show you what he's like. Maybe you've been coming to church and you're not doing them, it's okay because it's not too late. God can come in and put you on a firm foundation. No problem. I don't know many carpenters who can take an actual house and do that or how many people can like, take something that's already been established and come in and build up underneath it and make it better. It's like going from a shaky, wobbly house into a steel fortress. And there's, I don't, I don't know, maybe we have some people that live in Fenton, but there's this house on Lake Fenton and it's, it's, we were out, I don't own a boat, but we were out on a boat, my wife and, and, and my kids, with uh, her, uh, with a relative. And we're going through, and he's showing us this house, you know, the house is, hey, there's Kid Rock's house, you know, Kid Rock, and there's Ted Nugent, and he lives over there. I'm like, cool. And then I say, hey, who lives over here? This house is really nice. It's a beautiful stone house, and it's, and it's sitting really, and I'm like, it's so close to the water. That's amazing. I said, whose house is that? That's, he goes, oh, that ain't nobody's house. <laughs> I goes, what? And he said, yeah, 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 it's, it's really nice. And I don't know if they got to finish it or not, but he said, it's really nice, but it's sinking. They built it so close to the lake that it's literally sinking into the lake. And I don't know if it's going to fall and be in the bottom of Lake Fenton at some point. I don't know the story, but I, I do know. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking for faces like this. Yeah, that was my house. <laughs> I'm looking to see. I'm like, okay. <laughs> hey, if it's your house, you know, let's just you know, lay hands on it and pray over it and see what happens. I don't know. <laughs> but, but it's a beautiful house. It's a beautiful house. And while today is, is kind of geared towards the teens and the college and the younger people, I want to say, you, you, can have a, you can have a beautiful house and have it be worth nothing if the foundation is crumbling. If it's sinking, then your house is worth nothing. And my message, I guess, real quick, my, my side point would be, young people, this is what I tell the youth, I, I, I teach on, on Wednesdays as best I can, and I, and I try to pound it in their heads. Stop looking for your self-worth and your friends at school. I know it's not easy, but stop looking for your value and what other people think about you. When you make Christ your foundation, then all of a sudden you have uh, security. And how many insecure people do we have? You, you are, God makes all things beautiful. You are, and and God, thinks, God makes all things valuable. You are so valuable. So it would be a shame for you to leave here today without Christ as your cornerstone and go and ladies uh, put on a cake of makeup so that you can impress the boys so that you're not rejected by your friends because you look for them to uh, to uh, fulfill your emotional needs when really you're just going to end up looking like the beautiful house in, on Lake Fenton but you're sinking you're beautiful but you're sinking don't do that Confession, apart from obedience, is worthless. And so if we're here, if we're here, I would say 
just come, accept Christ, make him a firm foundation, and then all these things will follow. I'm getting ahead of myself, truth be told. All right, but my thought is, uh, on this is, it doesn't matter how old or how young we are. Jesus says, these are two guys who've been building. And so they've already made their decisions. And so if you're 80 years old, it's okay. It's okay. Because we've, we've got this verse, 2 Corinthians 5.17. And what it says is, 2 Corinthians 5.17. It's coming up. There it is. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation, a new creation, or if your, your, your Bible might have a footnote, a new creature, a new, um, a, new per, a new person, a new being, and the old has passed away. So behold, listen, take a look, the new has come. So, oh man, I'm, I'm 75 years old, I've been setting my ways. Ah, no more, you're, no, you're done. Now you're new, you're, you're new, your spirit is rejuvenated. Does that make sense? All right, we got to keep moving on because I'm going to be... I'm going to be late. All right, here we go. So uh, moving on. Uh, verse 49. Um, who can, who, can you all tell me who, which one of the builders hears the word that Jesus is saying? He's like, he's like, the one who hears my word and does them. This is what he's like. Who hears, which one hears the word? What's that? Yes and no. He says the builder on the rock. It's a trick question. Both... Both of them heard the word. Both of them hear the word, but only one does it. Only one obeys it. And what happens is he files it away and he doesn't keep it. If he believed it, then he would do it. James 2, verse 17, faith without works is dead. And this is where I'm, and this is where I'm, I want you guys to remember this. Confession without obedience, confession apart from obedience is worthless. Because it's not enough to come to church and say, yeah, I go to church. I, hey, are you a Christian? I am. I go to church on, on Easter, and I go to church on, on Christmas, and I'm not Buddhist, I don't know, or whatever. So, yeah, I'm a Christian. It's not enough to confess, but if it's genuine faith, it will produce obedience. So what I'm looking at here, and I see, is that this second builder, he heard the word, and he was actually in the presence of the word being spoken, but he completely disregarded everything that the word said. Let me give you guys uh, another verse here. In John chapter 2, you guys, this, this blew my mind. Blew my mind here. John, wait, nope, that's not right. John chapter 7, I'm sorry. I'm, oh boy, John, John 7 verse 2. Here we go. Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. So his brothers, this is Jesus' brothers, uh, said to him, leave here and go to Judea that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. And then what's it say? What's it say? What's verse 5 say? Put it up there. Boom. And for not even his brothers believed in him. And I thought, what? That's, he's, he's now 30 years old and, and his brothers grew up with him, they slept in the same house as him, they ate with him, they talked with him, I, and, and they missed it. They didn't see the perfect holy son of God for 30 years in their midst. I have a hard time giving them a... a, a, a I, I can't give them too hard of a time because I have three sisters, and they didn't care much for me either because I was so perfect. <laughs> so it kind of makes sense. No, but, 
No, they could tell you stories. Stories from, that would make it go, really? To, ooh, it's not good. No, but, but this blows my mind that he's been living with these guys for 30 years and night, day in, day out, and they didn't believe him. They, they said, no, nah, there's no way. I mean, you would, think, you would think that they would recognize Jesus, for example, Jesus would never bring shame on our family. Jesus would never do that. I mean, they would at least say that, right? But, right? I would think that, just use your sense here, guys. And they didn't even see him. So if, if his brothers can, can, see, can live with Jesus for 30 years and completely miss it, how much more in danger are we of coming on Sundays, one hour a week, singing a couple of songs and, and hearing somebody speak and stutter over themselves, I apologize, and, and completely miss the word of God and just completely disregard it. How many times do we have people that, that, that it's like, oh, no, I want, I want you to worship with us because we see them and they're like, and, and I, I, I'm a worship leader over at Bristol Road and I see these people as I'm leading and I'm just like, oh, I wish you would really engage because you're missing out on so much. I see that you're here. I see that you're seeing people. People are worshiping all around you. God's presence is falling and it's evident, but you're completely missing it. You're completely tuned out. How, how much more in danger are we of that if even his brothers who have lived with him for 30 years didn't even see it? And so the second builder, he hears the word and, and he's, he's there in the presence of it being spoken and he doesn't do it. And what happens? His house falls. He has no foundation. And then, and then to keep going, another thing that I would like to pull out of this is I want to make a note of how, how valuable God views us. How, in verse 49, how does Jesus end this? He doesn't, I mean, he doesn't say, so the second builder, he was kind of, he wasn't all there. I mean, he should have known, hey man, I'm not going to build on sand, but you know, that's his own fault. So la-di-da. He ends it with, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. And I looked up a, a couple of other words that you could supplement for, for the word great, and it's considerable, substantial, significant, special, serious, exceptional, extraordinary. And Jesus here, what he's saying is, and this, real quick. You with me? All right, you got it. She's fine. What, what Jesus is saying is, is I know that that how people are, how I am and how you are, there's seven billion people in the world. And if I don't know the person who, who loses his soul and you don't know the person who loses their soul, I, I don't know how torn up I honestly get. It's human, it, it's how we are as people. But, but Jesus is so much more than that. He doesn't say, and the house fell. He doesn't say that. Immediately it fell and period, that's it. No, he, there's a reason he adds, and the ruin of the house was great. It was significant because it's significant to Jesus. When you reject Jesus as your foundation and you refuse to live according to his word, it's not because he's up there throwing lightning bolts and he's, and he's trying to get you to, to obey him. The Bible is not, his word is not do's and don'ts, a book of rules. It isn't. It is, however, a loving guide 
to help you manage your way through this life that is tainted with sin. And when you reject Jesus, it breaks the heart of God. I love my dad. I love, I love my kids. I love my wife. But they're sinful, fallen people. And I love them. They say that you'll never love anybody more than you love your kids. And I think that's true. And I love my dad very much, but he's not worthy of my utter devotion. My, my earthly father, as, as handsome as he is, he's not worthy of my praise, of my love with all my heart, soul, and mind. But I don't want to disappoint him. I don't want to disappoint my kids. I don't want to break his heart. Because it would hurt me to hurt him. And God who is perfect in love. See, our love for one another, your love for your kids, for your, for, for your spouse, for your, for your parents, your love that you display in this life is tainted by sin. It's always going to have a little bit of greed, a little bit of selfish ambition to it. God loves with a perfect love, so he grieves with a perfect grief. And if you love God, then you should not want to hurt his heart, you should not want to cause him grief. I don't want to hurt God. I don't want to hurt, I don't want you to hurt God. Just like, I don't want to hurt my dad. I don't want my sisters to hurt my dad. I don't, because, because I love him. Does that make sense? And, and, and when you don't do that, this is, this is what God is saying. It doesn't, say, it doesn't end with just it fell and the, and the soul was lost. It says, it was great to me. It was significant to me and it hurt. And he's worthy of our eagerness to please him. And as a side note about the second builder here that is tragically lost in, in Jesus' metaphor here, the, it's worth noting that, that, yes, the builder does avoid the inconvenience of digging deep. And digging deep meaning he, he avoids having to carry his cross. He avoids having to work for Jesus and live for Jesus. Yeah, it can be inconvenience. It can be an inconvenient thing to do sometimes. It can. But the reward is so, is so much more. And he does, he does this. He avoids the inconvenience to his own peril. He can't be bothered to obey God's word. And I, and, and I, and I, and I think of a buddy of mine. I think we've all got friends or, or relatives that we've been inviting to church for some time. And, and so I've been trying to get this guy to come to church. And we, last time I saw him, I said, I said, uh, I said, hey, man, yeah, why don't you uh, come? You know, I'll, uh, I'll introduce you around. It'd be, it'd be great. We'd love to have you, you know. Uh, come to church. Come to church. Come. Just come. And, uh, and, and he uh, apparently, <laughs> eventually he got, he just had enough. And he said, I don't want to. <laughs> and I goes, whoa, <laughs> okay. And I'd, I'd rather be loving, the loving Christian, than the annoying Christian. <laughs> and so I said, I said, okay. I said, I said, okay, all right. And, I'm, and, I'm, and I, wanna, I just want to share this, this with you because this is a real life example of what it looks like without Christ as your cornerstone. And so ever since then, he is now divorced and, and they have two kids that he sees half the time. And he, uh, he basically uh, lives by the, if it feels good, 
do it sort of mentality. And I asked him, I said, well, I said, when I found out that he was getting divorced, I said, why didn't you talk to me? I said, why didn't you call me? I said, why did you go to uh, your buddy who lives and believes just like he does? And he said, because I knew that he would tell me what I wanted to hear. And I thought, come on, man, that is the opposite of wisdom. I said, come on. I said, really, this is, this, this is it? And I, and I just thought, no. No, don't do this. Matthew, if he had heard this, if he could have come, if he could have come to the church and he could have just heard this verse. Let me give you guys this verse for those who have no foundation and who are living and, and, and worn down by the stress of, of just life. Listen to this. And if you've been coming to church for a while, if you've, if you've been living for Jesus for a while, I know that may sound cliche, living for Jesus. It's true and I don't care. If you've been living for Jesus for a while, then maybe you've heard this. Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so many people, they, they just they, they drift through life making decisions based on what looks attractive at the time and, they, and, and they're dealing with the consequences of their decisions that, that maybe they don't even look at as mistakes but they have these mistakes in their life and they're like, well, I hope that doesn't bite me but it's just if you would come to Jesus and have a sure footing for where you're headed and th- that way you know, okay, I'm headed in, God's, uh, in the right direction God's got me to go in. I know I'm in the will of God. I know this because, because it is for his purpose that I live for then you would find rest and you would have, it puts it right there. If we hear his words and obey. And inconvenience for Christ will always be better than convenience without Christ. I'm going to take this. Okay, well, it's too late. No, I've got to take this off. Actually, I feel a lot better. That's good. All right. So, Luke 6. We're talking about God's word. Jesus is saying, Jesus is saying, um, those who hear my word and do it. So, what is his word? Well, we've got it. We've got it. And so, let me just give you some real quick applicable applicable applications. (laughs) First, actually, what I want to do is, I want to say, before I say this, I want to say, look, make Jesus your cornerstone. Make him the center of your focus of your life. Confess and believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and three days later he rose again. And then with genuine faith, that leads to, to obedience. And so my first point is this. Read and study his word. Like I said, confession apart from obedience is worthless. And, your, and, and true Christian belief will, will uh, uh, have a desire to read and study his word. I don't know. Get into your Bible. Learn it. Memorize it. I don't, do what you have to do to make sure that you set aside time to do that. You know, you know who knows the Bible very well? Abigail, do you know? Do you know? Go ahead. And you are wrong. Okay, because I don't know. What, I couldn't hear you. The answer to the question, though, by the way, was the devil. The devil knows the Bible very well. The devil in Matthew 4 is the one, he uses the Bible to tempt Jesus. 
and, he's, and, and he can't use something. You can't, you can't twist something if you don't have it to twist. And, and that's, what, that's what Satan does. He twists the word. My advice to you is young, old people, all of us all in the same room, all in the same boat, is learn the word. Get that sword and, and take some sword lessons because, I mean, that's what that is. When you're memorizing scripture, you're taking, um, you're, it's like you're fencing. You're taking fencing classes. I don't know. I, that just came to me. But that's what it is. In spiritual warfare, that's what we're up against. And Satan's going to try to attack you, and he's going to say, yeah, but didn't God, that's what he always does, is he doubts God. He doubts God. And when, and when you're like, you know what? I don't know if my life would, would be viewed as a beautiful house. And if, and, and if, and if the foundation that I've built upon is, is good enough, if you have Christ as your foundation, then what you're doing is you're thinking a terrible thought that is from the devil. It is not from God. And what you're doing is you're not only doubting God, but you're calling God a liar. Don't do that. <laughs> All right, where am I? Okay, read and study his word. Where am I? Okay. The second one would be once you read and study his word, then you're going to then you're going to delight and you're going to hope in his word. Once you start reading and studying and you get in a routine, if you miss that routine, say you miss a day, then you're going to then then you're going to say, "Oh man, I feel off today. I feel I don't feel all that great. Like something feels weird." Psalm 119 verse 16 it says it says simply, "I will delight in your statutes." I will delight in your statutes, and I will not forget your word. All right? All right? So we got to do it. Let's do it. It's, it's to our benefit. It's to our, it's, it's to our detriment that we do that. So we read and study, which will, which will lead to delighting and hoping in his word, which then will lead to trusting and obeying his word. When I was growing up, and when now I have kids of my own, if I'm going to obey, if they're going to obey me, they have to trust me that I, that, that I have their best interest at heart. And there are times when God puts us through a storm and, and, he's, and he's not exactly Johnny on the spot with the help. And it's like, Lord, I thought that this was going to be the light at the end of the tunnel, but now I just see more tunnel. And it's like, okay, I feel like this is kind of a little bit of a delay. And that's where the trust comes in. That's where the trust comes in. It's easier said than done and it takes practice. But God is patient, right? And so, a very easy verse that we can memorize right now. And then I'm going to wrap it up because I'm, uh, I'm going, going, going long. It's John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. <laughs> it's, it's so simple. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And, and so, if you wake up in the morning, John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Okay, that's how I'm going to live today. And then every day. I love Jesus, so I'm going to keep his commandments. And so do I really have to keep, keep Jesus' commandments? Why do I have to make Jesus my foundation and then, and then we're going to be done? Because you can't just be a good person. Can I just make Buddha my foundation? No. Unfortunately, no. At, at Bristol Road this morning, we sang none but Jesus. And it's true. There is no one else for me, none but Jesus, crucified to set me free. Now I live to bring him praise. And there is no other foundation. This is, not, this is not just because, sorry, this is bad news. It's either Jesus or nothing. 
Uh, this is, hey, good news, it's Jesus. Or, or nothing. So you, <laughs> you know, I mean, this isn't like, sorry, you only have two, two choices. No, it's, hey, this is Jesus as a foundation. And there is no other foundation. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Very plainly put. And that's our foundation. I implore you to make Christ your cornerstone. The cornerstone was the first block that they, that they put down and it dictated the entire building. Make Christ your cornerstone today. With that, uh, I, I will uh, have Pastor come up, the man in black, going to sing Folsom Prison for us, I think. <laughs> Here he goes. I'm about to eat a Coke, uh, drink a Coke and eat a sandwich by the time you get up here. <laughs> and here he is. <laughs> you want to use my microphone? I can, no, I can lean in like this. No, that's fine. Okay. Thanks. Hey, and thank you for the sermon. Oh, sure. I am still on. This is very loud. You preached Christ. Oh, uh, yeah, here. There's Tanya to get the microphone there. This is on. Uh, young people, it's so good to see you today. If you are here for the first time, we have a gift for you because we want you to know that we want you here. And if you're free tonight and you can come, we're going to have a taco bar at 6 o'clock. Uh, we'll have a free drawing for a smart TV. Uh, there will be drawings for other gifts and prizes, but... Uh, keep those things in mind, and uh, thank you, parents, for helping us today to get all these young people here. We praise God for that. All right, let's be dismissed with prayer, and uh, those of you who uh, brought folks, we'll have a, ah, the offering. Yes, ushers, if you will come, I almost forgot the offering, so you know we're not Baptist. <laughs> You don't forget the offering when you're, when you're Baptist. Okay. All right, let's pray together, and then we'll receive the morning offering. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for each one that's here, uh, all of our guests and, and those who love you. And I thank you for these who have made Jesus Christ the foundation of their life, their decisions, and their future. Uh, grant them grace and strength and help today in Jesus' name. Amen.
everybody coming out to the field house today. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much. Lord, I pray that you continue to speak to our hearts, Lord. Thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, y'all can be dismissed. Remember, you come and see me afterwards, and we're going to get you a gift. If you are a uh, youth, and this is the first time that you're here, we got a gift for you. And if you brought the most students, there, you come see me.